Hi, and welcome to the first episode of the Saving Green podcast. My name is John Glover, and I have a master's in natural resource management and policy from the University of Denver. I want to try to spread the message that we can solve big problems like climate change, pollution, and other man-made problems of our era if we just try. This is a show that reports on current events in natural resources and offers conventional solutions. The goal of this podcast is to provide accurate information and strong science in a way that's more accessible and communicates the the changes we can make on an individual and societal level. I understand that there are a lot of people who have climate anxiety or think that the problem is just too big to solve. I'm here to tell you that we can fix them, and together we can push for solutions to help all of us. Not only this podcast will release weekly episodes detailing important news stories in the climate. I feel that there's a lack of climate reporting in general, but more importantly, there's no real reporting that talks about the solutions to issues. It's all doom and gloom and that there's a giant fire or hurricanes are getting worse, but no one ever takes the time to really talk about practical solutions that really aren't that difficult. And so that's a huge goal of this podcast. It's easy to feel hopeless when that kind of reporting is all you see, that kind of doom and gloom. And we know that rising global temperatures are only making things worse. For example, according to a 2021 report from the World Meteorological Organization, climate and weather-related disasters have increased five times in the last 50 years. Now, solutions can be applied from large to small scales. And whether it's a global effort or work being done by your community, natural resources can be improved, and this podcast will discuss solutions at those scales. Living in healthy and safe communities is a human right. We cannot continue to allow a system where the wealthiest members of our society produce more pollution than the rest of us and continue to pump out fossil fuels and refuse to let us transition to clean energy and continue to cause problems like pollution. The world's richest 1% caused double the CO2 emissions of the poorest 50% in the world, according to a 2020 study done by Oxfam and the Stockholm Environment Institute. Furthermore, in 2017, the Carbon Majors report came out and it says that just 100 companies are responsible for 71% of global emissions. Living sustainably as individuals is important. Don't get me wrong, we still need to be recycling our plastic bottles and looking at our diets and our lifestyle choices and how we can become more sustainable. But honestly, without real solutions and addressing the systemic issues that are in place, those issues will not build up to enough significant change. So how can we bring about these real systemic changes? First, we need to educate ourselves. We need to really understand the problem. We need to understand why it's a problem, what its effects are, and what we can do about it. With that in mind, we're going to swap over to our first episode's uh, main focus, and that is the Willow Project, which was recently approved by President Biden. For those that do not know, there has been sort of an extended legal battle over the Willow Project for a period of time where an oil and gas company, ConocoPhillips, is trying to create a large oil and gas extraction project in northern Alaska uh, within the National Petroleum Reserve, which is near some indigenous tribes, uh, some national land, some national forests, things like that. Um, And 
previously the project had been halted by a court where the court had decided that ConocoPhillips had not done a significant enough environmental review, had not considered the kinds of impacts it would have on local communities. And so they actually stopped ConocoPhillips from beginning to the, the project. But recently, President Biden actually signed an executive order approving the Willow Project and giving them authority, despite the fact that they have not completed further environmental reviews or anything along those lines. It's a really serious issue. The The project is expected to produce 180,000 barrels of oil a day. Um, and it's expected to cost about $8 billion and the company is hoping to extract about $45 billion worth of oil at today's prices over 30 years. Now, scientists, environmental experts, and other people who are concerned about the climate are calling this project a carbon bomb. And the language there is absolutely significant, and that's not the kind of words that scientists throw around lightly. So why is that? This project would produce twice as many emissions as all of the renewable energy projects on public lands would cut by 2030. So instead of cutting these emissions, we're doubling them. Now, this is just ridiculous and dangerous, and it goes against different environmental promises that President Biden made, but First, I want to get into what are the actual effects of this project? What do people expect to happen? And by the Biden administration's own estimates, the project would release 9.2 million metric tons of carbon pollution a year, which is equivalent to adding 2 million gas-powered cars to the roads, or the equivalent of creating 70 new coal-fired power plants. And that's why people are calling this a carbon bomb. It's an absolutely absurd amount of pollution to to release into the atmosphere at a time where we need to be cutting the amount of pollution that we're doing to decelerate climate change and to hopefully stabilize our atmosphere. There's also expected to be pretty significant impacts on wildlife. Uh, according to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which handles a lot of uh, endangered species work for marine animals, uh, the, the noise, landscape changes, increased human conflict, and potential spills in the area could negatively affect all sorts of species uh, that need habitat in the area, like whales, seals, otters, fish like salmon and whitefish, caribou, birds, and even polar bears, which are actually protected under the Endangered Species Act, which gives them increased federal protections and it is supposed to protect them against projects like the Willow Project impeding on their health and their populations. Finally, and maybe most importantly, there will be massive impacts on polar stability by releasing this amount of carbon to the Arctic. Uh, the Arctic is already warming four times faster than the rest of the world, and a lot of that is being driven by carbon moving towards the poles, the carbon dioxide gas, but also now that the ice caps are starting to melt, the sea ice in the area, it means that the ocean water is actually absorbing a lot of the solar radiation and energy and heat instead of just reflecting it out like the ice would do. And so increasing the amount of carbon in this region's atmosphere is just, it's not a good idea. It could rapidly accelerate this trend, further keep trapping heat and keep releasing gases into the area. Now, 
who owns the Willow Project, and what is their goal here, and why do they say that this is a good thing? What are the economic arguments and such that are being made for it? Now we have Kanoko Phillips, who is the producer here. They're a giant oil and gas company worth billions of dollars. Um, there are some lawmakers who are definitely on board with this. The, the Biden administration has obviously jumped on board. Uh, there are some local government officials sort of in Alaska. Um, and even some native groups are in support of the project. Um, now, the state's lawmakers are arguing that the project will create jobs and boost domestic energy production, which would help lessen the country's reliance on foreign oil. Um, all three lawmakers in Alaska's bipartisan congressional delegation met with President Biden, um, actually urging him to approve the project. A coalition of Alaska native groups on the northern slope also supports the project, saying it could be a much needed new source of revenue for the region and fund services for them, including education and healthcare, uh, through like taxes that are being imposed on the companies and things like that. Um, one representative, Nagrik uh, Harcherek, who is a president of the advocacy group Voice of the Arctic and Yupiat, told CNN that the Willow Project presents an opportunity to continue the investment in their communities, and without that money, they're more reliant on the state and the feds. Uh, Kanoka Phillips also claims on its own website that the project will create thousands of jobs from constructing and running the facilities. Now, some things that I want to point out here about the significance of this being approved are not just the amount of money that ConocoPhillips makes and is worth, but also the massive amount of federal resources that they are given through tax breaks and subsidies um, and how that is a direct result of the kind of lobbying that they're doing. Now, ConocoPhillips is estimated to receive $600 million of tax breaks every year, or roughly $4 for every barrel of oil that's produced in the United States. Uh, over time, from 1918 to 2009, oil and gas companies received $478.8 billion in tax breaks, while renewables from 79 to 2009, which is the era that they've been worked on in this study, uh, only received $67.6 billion. Uh, on average, a year, oil and gas receives $5.2 billion, while renewables receive $2.2 billion. So oil and gas companies are receiving significantly more financial resources from the government than our renewable projects are. And this just doesn't make any sense when we are trying to move away from fossil fuels because we know the danger that it poses to our climate and to our planet. And that kind of investment needs to start going into renewables. And the arguments that this creates jobs or this creates economic value or it reduces our environmental reliance or reliance on foreign oil. Well, I've got news for these people and that's that natural or sorry, renewable energy does the exact same thing, but these projects are better because we don't have to rely on a finite amount of oil that's stuck in the ground. Instead, we can harness the infinite power of the sun to permanently provide energy for our communities that does not create emissions, that creates jobs in installing and maintaining these facilities, and creates massive amount of economic value, and also reduces our reliance on foreign energy sources like foreign oil. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And we're at a point where ConocoPhillips 
doubled its profits in 2022 uh, from about $9.5 billion to $18.7 billion of profit in a single year because they benefited from the increase in crude oil prices and the amount that it sold each barrel of oil for. And now, if a company has this much value, they should be demanded to put some of it back into renewable energies. It doesn't make any sense to allow this kind of financial resources to continue to dominate the energy sphere and continue to create resources that are actively harming the planet and putting future generations and current generations at massive risk from climate change and its effects. So with that in mind, kind of deconstructing why the arguments for this plant don't make a lot of sense, I want to get into who's opposing the project and why they're doing it. After President Biden signed the the executive order to allow this project to continue, this Willow project, there was a huge amount of backlash on it and a change.org petition uh, saying where people were signing it saying they did not want the project to go through had more than 2.9 million signatures, which is it's pretty significant. That's almost 1% of the United States population in total. Indigenous groups, are, a lot of them are also very much opposed to this. Um, for example, in a recent letter to the current Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, uh, the mayor of Nuiqsut and two other city and tribal officials said that the village would bear the brunt of health and environmental impacts from the Willow Project. They said other villages get some financial benefits from oil and gas activity, but experience far fewer impacts. We are at ground zero for the industrialization of the Arctic, the letter read. According to an organization, the Native Movement, a grassroots indigenous Alaska-based organization, developers of the Willow Project have done minimal research on the impacts of this project on the local caribou herd, which are a vital food source for many residents of the nearby indigenous communities. Members of the community have spoken out in the past about how direct impacts of previous oil and gas extraction have caused sick fish, malnourished caribou, and toxic air quality. They also expressed significant concern over lack of adequate consultation with them beforehand, meaning that ConocoPhillips did not meet with local leaders and local organizations to ensure that they were doing the most they could to meet their demands and to keep their cities clean and to keep their towns clean. The detrimental amounts of pollutants and contaminants used by drilling and extraction project is happening in the backyards of indigenous people without their full and informed consent, signed the Native Movement. Climate activists are also very strongly speaking out against this project because of its potential to be a massive carbon bomb and to release so much pollution into the atmosphere. It also breaks major campaign promises that Joe Biden made before he became president. His in, Joe Biden's administration currently has a goal to cut carbon emissions in half by 2030, but if they're planning to release carbon bombs with 2 million metric tons a year of pollution, then that's not going to help cut carbon emissions if you increase them. That's just basic logic. And during 2020, his 2020 campaign, Biden vowed to end new oil and gas drilling on public lands and waters, which he initially actually carried out as an executive order, but he it was struck down by a federal judge in 2021, and since then, Biden has actually opened up multiple new areas to drilling, um, several of which have been challenged in court by environmental groups. Now, before 
the Willow Project was approved, Biden had increased drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, which had been limited significantly since the major disaster in the 2000s from the BP oil spill. And instead of taking that seriously and taking his commitment to the climate seriously, Joe Biden instead decided to lease off 1.6 million acres of water. Million! Um, and that was just a fraction of some of the, the, the water that's available, but uh, it is a significant amount of land that's being opened up in a very vulnerable ecosystem. Uh, and this was all part of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, and it was sort of part of a deal that was reached with Senator Joe Manchin to increase the amount of oil and gas leases that are being made. Um, at the time, Senator Joe Manchin had a very significant vote in the Senate because it was basically a 50-50 margin, 51-50 or 51-49, something along those lines, 52 maybe with Kirsten Cinema. But Joe Manchin was essentially one of the votes that they needed to actually get things through the Senate. And so he was able to hold it up and he actively has his money in oil, gas, and coal. And so this obviously benefits him personally too, which brings up a whole nother conversation about keeping money and special interests out of politics in that way, but uh, it does not necessarily fit into this episode. And we can talk about more at a later time about how bad <laughs> Joe Manchin is for the environment and for the United States. Um, there's also been increased fracking under Joe Biden. He increased the amount of leases on federal lands, uh, such as BLM lands, for, for fracking, which would also increase the amount of uh, pollution and, and carbon being released into the atmosphere from these projects. Now, th again, this was something that Joe Biden did not need to do. No one asked him to do this. In fact, most people were on the side of stopping this project in the first place. And Biden is effectively using his presidential power to overrule a court ruling, which put this project on hold. And now that it is being continued, uh, the ninth Circuit Court of Appeals actually rejected a big by conservation groups to stop construction on the Willow Project. The suit was filed against the Department of the Interior by a group called Trustees for Alaska, which is working with the Alaska Wilderness League, the Northern Alaska Environmental Center, Environment America, the Sierra Club, the Wilderness Society, and the Sovereign in Yupiat for a Living Arctic. And these conservation groups are saying that Biden granted approval for the project despite acknowledging and failing to mitigate known harms to Arctic communities, public health, wildlife, and the climate. They said the approval continues to violate many of the same laws that were violated when it was previously rejected by a federal court in 2021. At the time when it was rejected, uh, then Trump appointed Secretary of the Interior David Bernhardt said that the decision could make a significant contribution to keep oil flowing through the Trans-Alaskan Pipeline system for decades into the future. And that's just not something that we need right now. We do not need decades worth of oil production at a time when we're trying to cut it and we're trying to de defend future generations and keep them safe from this kind of danger. Now, this decision to keep the Willow Project moving has also been defended by the Department of Interior, uh, who were the the focus of the the lawsuit that the trustees for Alaska were trying to follow um, the Secretary of the Interior called the Willow Project a long and complicated and difficult decision to make 
they noted that ConocoPhillips has long held leases to drill for oil on this site. And they said, legal rights are a thing in this country. And so we have to honor those in some respect. What we really tried to do is make it smaller to protect stakeholders and do whatever we could to help the situation be more amenable to the wildlife and ecosystems in Alaska. Now, this simply isn't true. There were five drilling sites proposed, but of those, only three passed, sure, but they're still getting to 90% of the oil that they wanted to. And so this just doesn't make any sense. And frankly, the Department of the Interior and President Biden should be fiercely opposing this project because of the danger that it poses to future generations from being a carbon bomb to damaging the Arctic to the the chain of effects that will happen as more carbon is released into the atmosphere and climate change becomes more dramatic and more of a problem. So this all sounds bad. It, it does, but there are things that can be done about this on multiple levels. And so I want to talk about first what needs to be done at a larger scale and then how people can get involved and make their voices heard. So to begin, I want to talk about how important it is to be switching to renewable energy sources and divesting from fossil fuels. There are many states that are already trying to do this. For example, in Colorado, there is a bill that was recently passed where they are trying to lower emissions 50% by 2030 and 90% by 2050. Now, the state is starting to fall behind some of its targets, but it's also taking that seriously and looking into ways that it can it can make up the difference. And if this kind of work can be done at the state level with less resources, then imagine what could be accomplished with the massive amount of federal resources that are available. I mean, we are the wealthiest country in the history of the world, and we have nearly a trillion dollar military and defense budget, but when climate change is one of the most significant existential threats to humanity currently, then our defense budget should should be going towards this because we are defending ourselves from the violence of climate change, from droughts, from hurricanes, from worse storms, from all sorts of issues that are going to fundamentally change society if we don't take them seriously. On an individual level, it's important that we continue to advocate for these things. If you have not signed the change.org petition yet against the Willow Project, that's a great place to start. That's a great place to add your name to the list of voices. Another good thing that you can do is start kind of bothering your, your legislators. Contact your federal congressmen, your federal senators, and tell them that you oppose the Willow Project and you would like to see them oppose it. And it is a major part of what will it will factor into who you vote for in the next election so that you can put pressure on legislators to make a difference because it does matter when people contact their senators and congressmen they do listen especially when it's more than just one voice so talk to people that you know in your community and get them to do the same thing educate your friends educate your family on these issues spread awareness and talk about how serious it is and how much people should really care about it there are a lot of political issues out there right now that people are focused on that really aren't important and don't have any real impact on the outcome of our lives. But something like the Willow Project is something that is somewhat of a tipping point for climate change. And if we just allow it to happen without protesting, without 
contacting our legislators, without making our voices heard, without opposing it in some way, then we're going to live with that regret and we're going to live with the consequences. Now, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Saving Green podcast. I'm really excited that you listened. I'm really glad that you made it this far. Um, we're planning on, I'm planning on putting out an episode pretty much every week. Uh, next week, I want to focus on train derailments, like the massive disaster in Ohio, which is being considered one of, if not the biggest, environmental disaster in United States history. Um, some of the things that led into it uh, from multiple administrations, kind of a, an economic look at it, a political look at it, and an environmental one as well. Uh, if you like this episode, definitely make sure to subscribe and like on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, check out our link tree. It has links to our TikTok, our Instagram, our Twitter, um, you know, YouTube, all the different things like that. Tell a friend about the podcast. Word of mouth is insanely helpful. And uh, I'd really appreciate it if you could help get this this show off the ground. Um, and I'm really excited to, to work with y'all in the future and let me know what kind of issues are most important to you. I'd love it to have some, uh, some some listeners on the podcast sometime so they can talk about what issues are important to them and and sort of how how those can be modified because the voices of different people matter. I'm not the only voice that knows anything about environmental science or politics and being able to work with different people is is incredibly important for for making sure there's enough knowledge on any given subject. Uh, finally, check out the Patreon. It's a great way to support the show. Uh, if you want to give just like a couple bucks a month or something, uh, that'd be a great way for me to be able to keep this going. And again, thank you so much, and I'll see you all next week. Take care.